Father God, Lord, I pray that you would just speak through me, God, and that the, the depth of that story, Lord, would impact us, Lord, that we would go out of here with a, with a different picture of our lives, God, different picture of what it is you've called us to. In your name, amen. So, in 1945, in, in mid-April, uh, the British forces, they liberated one of the concentration camps called Bergen-Belsen. And those images, were, whether it's that one or the kind of liberation of concentration camps across Europe uh, after the Second World War and coming into the end of the Second World War, is one of those really poignant pictures and images of liberation. In, from the 20th century, these people that so downtrodden and so um, un, kind of un, completely unjustly incarcerated, finally being set free. And today is about liberation. This story, and what is quite a long passage, but it's important that it's all there. It's this section that really speaks about liberation and the life of liberation. We have it. When I was going through this, I really felt God was saying that He wants us to reframe our mindset as church. That He wants us to reframe our mindsets for, of ourselves, because it's quite easy to get in this place of. Um, come right come to church come to the group and 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 do the kind of churchy thing on a sunday but then we've not just been called to come to church as important as it is and paul says don't neglect gathering together but we've also been called to do we've been called to go and ultimately we've been called we've been liberated by Christ so that we can be liberators. So I'm just going to give an overview um, of that section that, that Andrew read there. Um, but if you want to follow it, it's Acts 5, 12 to 42. And it kind of, the overview would be something like this. The apostles are there and they're doing a bunch of signs and wonders and miracles. Loads of people are being healed. You've got Lots and lots of different people getting healed, and then also loads of people being delivered from, from demons. Demons are being cast out of them. Having many, many followers at that time, their, their numbers are growing and growing and growing. And so there's so many people, people, they're laying people on stretchers in the streets so that as Peter walks through the streets, his shadow would fall on them and they would be healed. They're, they're, it's growing out of Jerusalem, that people outside of Jerusalem are like, oh, and they're bringing their sick and they're coming to Jerusalem to experience this stuff, this amazing outpouring of God. And the result of that is the Sadducees get really jealous. <laughs> like, they're really hacked off. They're so jealous, they want to kill these guys. And they, they throw them in prison. And then, like, miraculously, an angel of the Lord comes and he releases them from prison and says, just go back to doing what you were doing. Continue preaching the words of life. And so they're, they're supernaturally released. And then um, they get, the guys go to get them, and they're not in prison, obviously. And and so they're then rearrested and put back in, back into the prison. 
and those guys threaten them and they're, they're so stirred up that they want to kill them. And there's this one guy, Gamaliel, and he has this advice for them, a wise guy, a godly guy, but maybe not as like awesome, and we'll find that out later as, as we can read in, in the situation of the story, that Gamaliel says, look, there's this guy who, when he died, his followers passed away. He's just kind of petered out. There's this guy, and when they rose up, and then when he died, it just kind of petered out. He said, let's just wait. Let's sit on the fence and just see what happens. Because if, you know, Jesus has died for them, you know, that, um, that he's not walking around on the earth anymore, well, maybe it'll just peter out. But you need to be careful, he says, because maybe you'll be fighting uh, against God, and then you're definitely not going to win. And so they release, they release them, and they and then they release the apostles, and they go out and they preach in temple courts, and they preach Jesus from house to house. And so you may be thinking, well, I kind of see a bit in there, James, about prison and bondage and liberation, but like, where, where, what are you getting at? But this passage is really a lot about bondage and imprisonment. You see, you see people. It starts with people being in bondage to sickness. You see people being in bondage to unclean spirits. You see the Sadducees through it, that they're actually in bondage to some idol in their lives which is causing this jealousy to come out of them. You see the apostles physically in bondage, they're put into the prison, aren't they? And then you see Gamaliel, probably the most subtle of them all, is in bondage kind of to this uh, easy norm, this comfort zone, this normality, this let's just wait and see, the sitting on the fence, staying in the, the rhythms and the comfort of life. And so this story has three things that we can learn. And as we go through, I want you guys to remember that we have been liberated to be liberators. So number one, point one, Christ liberates. Christ liberates. His ministry is a ministry of liberation. How do we know this? It's one of the first things he says. He gets up in he gets up in the synagogue. Remember that? He gets, stands up in the synagogue and he opens the scroll and he reads from Isaiah 61. And it, so it's from Luke 4:18. And he says this: The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Christ is the liberator. See, Christ was a liberator when he walked the earth, wasn't he? He went around and he set people free. And the, the awesome thing is, it's not like he's ascended now and stopped that work. Remember at the beginning of Acts, it says, Luke, who writes Acts, says, in my former book, referring to Luke, Theophilus, uh, I speak about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And that Acts is really about everything Jesus is continuing to do. That Jesus' work of liberation was continuing then, and through the Holy Spirit, continues today. So how does Christ liberate? How does Christ liberate? One, and we see it from that passage, healing. He heals people. 
the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. But then it's not just a physical thing, it's also a spiritual thing. Spiritually, demons are cast out. And all the effects that some spiritual things in our lives can have and can completely transform our emotions. And then ultimately, Christ liberates us from death, from the effects of sin, salvation itself, where we are reconnected to God. Because you know, Christ comes to earth, doesn't he? He comes to earth to live that perfect life, complete and fulfill all the laws, all the laws that we can never fulfill and com complete all of them, so that in him, it is as if we have lived the perfect life and fulfilled all the laws. That it's not our righteousness, but he lives that perfect life and God clothes him with that robe of righteousness. And he clothes us with that same robe. That actually Christ comes and liberates us and gives us, gives us this complete freedom of life. Where when we put our trust in him and when we put our hope in him we can be reconnected to the God who made us. And there are so many, if you think of all those different things from physical healings, it can be within that like mental healings, addictions and, and these, kind of, these kind of things. There are awesome stories and testimonies about people who said yes to Jesus and their lives were just completely transformed, completely, completely and utterly turned around because it isn't just some religious thing and come, and come to faith. Salvation is this complete healing, this complete transformation, this wholeness of life that comes. And so we're going to watch a video now, a testimony. Um, this is out of the Alpha Guide, so thank you, for, thank you to the Alpha Lot. Um, we're, going, we're going to watch this. So I'm often asked, why did you get involved with crime? And I say it wasn't a conscious decision. I didn't see the careers lady at school and say, of course you can do an armed robbery. It was just there. It was all around us. And it all started with weed and drinking, cannabis, the usual stuff. Um, we used to steal badges off expensive cars and swap them up like trading cards. And it just progressed to the entire car. And I got involved with the people who were really pulling all the strings. So we went up to this guy's house who owed them a few hundred pounds. It was, it was nothing to them. But the problem was he'd been going around telling everybody that he wasn't gonna pay it. So they had to set an example. So they got this guy, he was in his garden, his little lad was there. So he got out of the car, grabbed this bloke, put him in the car, sat between us, and he drove up to uh, what's called Niner's Quarry and uh, pulled a petrol strimmer out of the boot of the car, gave it to me and said, do his feet strimmed his feet, just lacerated his feet. And this was my initiation. So that just moved on and on and on. Cut a long story short, Leeds Crown Court, courtroom number three, he handed me down seven and a half years. And I just thought to myself, that's it, gloves are off. If I'm gonna be bad, I'm gonna be the best kind of bad I can possibly be. Because I got moved from prison to prison to prison, and put on category A maximum security because of my behavior. And there's this lad coming round, another inmate, he comes up to me and he says, uh, do you want to go on an alpha course? I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, look, get out my face, sunshine, before I slap you. I thought no more of it. And next day, and then this kid's coming around with this clipboard again. So I'm just waiting for this kid to get within slapping range. And he must have sensed something wasn't right because he blurted something out really quickly. He went, you get Wednesday afternoon at a bang up and you get free coffee and you get free biscuits. 
all right, I'll see you on Wednesday. And we just started giving her a hard time, a really hard time. The thing that stopped me, it wasn't what they said, because I wasn't really listening, but it was how they did it. They came back at me with love and compassion every single time. So I sat there on my bunk and I said the first real prayer I'd ever said in my life. I didn't know if I was doing it right or not. But the gist of it was, God, I need you to take away the anger, the violence, the hate. I need you to take away the addictions, which I've tried to fight and I just lose every time. If you do that for me, I will live the rest of my life for you. But the next morning, I woke up as I always had done. Rolled over to grab the smoke as I always had done, but I couldn't touch it. Everything about it, the look, the thought, the smell, everything made me want to be sick. And I knew what I had to do, so I went and got my little stash and I put it straight out of the cell window. And as soon as they'd gone, I started to feel a bit better. I started to calm down a little bit, but I was still freaking out. So she said to myself, Daryl, calm down, go get a wash, go get a shave. And as I started to get a wash, I looked in the mirror and just stopped dead. Because I didn't recognise my own reflection. I was like, that guy's smiling. Not just smiling, that guy's beaming. And I noticed I didn't just look different, I felt different. Everything had gone. It was as if someone had unscrewed the top of my head and just poured freezing cold water in and everything had been just washed out clean. So the chaplain comes onto the wing and I just told him absolutely everything. And he said, the man that went to bed last night is not the same man that's standing here this morning. You're a new creation. And that was it. I said, no more. No more fighting, no more drugs. No more nothing. If you owe me anything, forget it. If you're holding anything of mine, keep it. I don't want it, I'm done, I'm finished. Jesus has saved me. And then when it came time for my release, I knew I was gonna go into full-time ministry. Reverend Mark Finch, JP, a magistrate, and he said, would you consider coming to Runcorn near Liverpool? We've got a new church plant, we're just getting going. There's a big problem with young people and gangs and drugs, would you come? I knew it was the right place to go. So he picked me up from the gates on the morning of my release. He took me to his house, not a house, his home. And his eldest is his daughter, Rebecca, who is now my wife and the mother to my two amazing children, Benjamin and Lydia Grace. My life just couldn't look more different than what it is now. What a cool story, eh? What a great testimony. Liberation in so many different ways, from addictions, from lifestyle, from a physical prison. So many things that that guy's been um, set free from. You can also see it as well how awesome like the Alpha series is. Like, so there's a good little snippet of different things. I'll try and kind of show them. Be um, confident to invite friends and stuff to Alpha because it's very like it's very cool. And so that the whole episode wouldn't be like that. It chops and changes between different people and places around the world and, and like little presentations like that through it. It's very good. So this guy. The thing I love is that he didn't just get liberated, he was liberated by Christ from prison, you know, but then he went on with Christ and liberated others who were in similar situations. Maybe stop them before they even got into that situation. <clears throat> so guys, you need to know that Christ is the liberator. And I mean, ask yourselves, is there anything in your lives that you feel is holding you, that's imprisoning you? that you need liberation from. Maybe it's a lifestyle, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's some kind of sin. Jesus can do it.
John 8, 34 to 36 says this, it says, Jesus answered them, most, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if, a, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Do you know that freedom today? That in Christ, the freedom is available. And why is it that we're free in life? It's not just that we're free from sin and then get to go to heaven, but actually we have freedom in our lives. It's because Jesus sets us free from sin, but he sets us, and the kind of eternal impact of that, but he sets us free also from the idols in our lives. You see, we can live free from sin. We can live saved by Christ, but out of that kind of eternal prison, that eternal bondage, but still living in bondage to idols, things which impact and impact and affect our hearts. So, liberated from idols. Um, we've all had situations, I'm sure, over our life where we hear someone's doing really well, you know, and we don't say, woo, that's awesome. We kind of feel a little bit like, like annoyed or jealous or something. There's that tinge, even if we're a lovely person, that tinge, that tinge of je jealousy. You know, what what is it that's going on there? You know, what is it that's going on there? Well, it, it can be when there's something other than Jesus on the throne of our lives, especially when it's really fundamentally happening. You know, not just we're having a lapse in our kind of self but when it really takes us down a dark path, where that's the kind of thing we call an idol, when that's on the throne of our lives instead of Jesus. But when Christ is enthroned, what is it that we have? We have love. We have actually the fruit of the Spirit in so many different ways coming out of us, but ultimately we have love coming from us. Where's a book that we read to Eliana, and it's kind of based on a, that Corinthians Bible passage um, about, you know, what is love. And so it's got a whole bunch of different things. It doesn't quote the Bible exactly, but it's trying to communicate to kids. And one of the pages I love, it says, love lets others have a go and hopes they will do well. And obviously a great lesson for kids, but such a, such a deep thing as well there. And we read in Acts 5.17, the uh, Sadducees um, hadn't read this book, and it says this, but the high priests rose up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. These guys were filled with jealousy. That, you know, they want to be the ones that the guys from outside of town are traveling to. They want to be the ones that people are flocking to to see. Remember, Jesus speaks about these guys, and it's like, they're the guys who love to be in the place of honor. They're the guys who love for everyone to look at them, and suddenly no one's looking at them anymore. They're looking, at, they're looking at the apostles, but really they're looking at the work of Jesus. They're focused on Jesus. They want the recognition and the status. Really, they've got this idol in their life of wanting to be seen, this idol of status, of image. See, they're so concerned that they aren't at the center of attention that they're completely oblivious to the fact that Jesus, 
that God Almighty is the centre of attention. And sometimes, just as we go through church and it gets busy, it's so important that we stay in this place knowing that we are liberated by him and every single thing we do that I was explaining to the guys on the Alpha course yesterday whilst we were going through gifts of the Spirit that actually it's never to point to us and look what we've done but they're always these signs and wonders are signs to point to him everything should point to him see had they stopped for a second and stopped thinking about themselves and being like well like my need for recognition my we're the guys we're the religious elite had they stopped for a second to look outside, they'd have seen hundreds of people being healed. They'd have seen demons which had never been cast out of people until Christ came to the earth. You know, demons being cast out of people, people being completely liberated and set free. So these idols in our lives can imprison us and their walls make us miss the big picture of what God is doing in our life. They can make us miss the big picture of what God is doing in church, in our community. You know, we also, when we follow, when that we may throw those things in our heart instead of Christ, we deny ourselves so many things like peace and joy and love because we're putting things like self and image and status and power and money and other things on that throne. The, when the Spirit is working in us, we have the fruit of the Spirit come out. When we have an idol in our heart, there is still other fruit that gets produced from that. So there can be things like jealousy, you know, like jealousy isn't the idol. We don't all set out to idolize jealousy, but maybe it's kind of we're so obsessed about ourselves that the fruit that comes from that is when someone else does well. What's birthed from that is jealousy. As we see here in that, that example envy, bitterness, hatred, losing our temper, where love isn't the key, where love isn't the, the main filter through which everything flows. And in a sense, there are a prison to the freedom that we have to live in Christ every single day of our lives. They, they, these kind of spiritual prisons, like, such as having status or something like that as an idol, leads to jealousy. It can cause a person as well not just to be in prison. This isn't something that just affects you, but it becomes something whereby you can then become the imprisoner. So the Sadducees, jealousy is what imprisons the apostles. That fruit, the, that idol that's in their heart where they're not pursuing Christ puts them in a physical prison. It's a very like big picture, but actually our words and how we live and the thing, the motivations of stuff coming out of us can lock people up and put people in other kinds of prisons that aren't a physical prison. It's like a virus that makes one person sick and then goes to the next person and the next person. And so that is with sin that it affects, can just go on and on. There's that famous axiom, hurt people hurt people. Think about that one. Hurt people, hurt people. So sin imprisons and in turn can cause us to imprison others. So we see, just an example, you see like multi-generational poverty where somewhere along the line, you know, someone said, 
you never amount to anything, so they don't. And then there's bitterness there about an identity issues and those kind of things about who they are and they're no one, so they tell their kids that you'll be no one. And sometimes you see multi-generations, you find this in the UK, where you can find three generations, like grandparents to grandchildren, and there's been no employment for generations in the family. Very hard, very sad. But this kind of messed up world is the world that Christ came into to break the cycle of sin and death and set people free, not just for eternity, but for life itself. Christ came to break the chains of sin and all its effects it has in this world. So guys, is there anything you know that you maybe need to let go of? Is there anything that we need to realign in our hearts? Guys, I'm here to pray at the end or pray any other time. If you're like, yeah, this is an area I really just have not given to God. Let's give it to God. We have been liberated by Christ in order to be liberators ourselves. Which takes us to the, the last point. We are liberated to be liberators. Now, in that situation, we can respond like the Sadducees and uh, kind of get all jealous and actually imprison other people. Okay. We can respond like Gamaliel. And like I touched on it a bit earlier, that Gamaliel's this kind of god, he's this godly guy and he's a, he's a wise guy. Um, and what he says is good, and he seems a bit like a bit of a hero in the story, but in some ways, he's also sitting on the fence. He's got this thing where he is bound by, culture, by, by a kind of cultural status quo, where he's got his position and what's going on there at that time, that he's not prepared to jump in. He's someone who's... A religious guy studied the scriptures, looked at everything about this, this coming one, seen it, the whole life of Jesus, and sit, as living in the city where people are being completely liberated and set free and people are being, are being healed. And, you know, we hear these stories of like Nicodemus who goes to Jesus and is like, ah, like tell, you know, tell me the truth, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? But with Gamaliel, it's like he, he's wise and he's not like he's a bad guy. But he's also not running down to the apostles and saying, like, well, you know, what's going on? I, I want to, like, how can I, how can I get involved? What is, what is it that's, that's happening here? There's a kind of a thing of, like, sitting on the sidelines, waiting and watching. But we're liberated to be liberators. There's a cool story of a lieutenant called Airy Neve. Even that's a cool story, uh, cool name, isn't it? From Second World War, um, Airy Neve, and he was captured and imprisoned in Colditz. If you don't know Colditz, it's a board game. No, if you don't know Colditz, it's a board game about a really, it's a massive castle in Germany on the side of a mountain that's like impossible to escape from. It was the escape-proof prison. Um, and so they kind of sent their most difficult POWs. He escaped, he escaped from another prisoner of war camp and was recaptured and put in there. Um, 
And on January the 5th, 1942, Neve and a Dutch officer, they managed to, they got into the German guardhouse, they stole some uniforms, and they escaped by walking out through the front gate, you know, the place that you'd never think to escape from. Um, so past all the sentries, and then they, they managed, they got some civilian clothes, and they got into Switzerland. And so they, 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 they were free. Um, on returning to the UK, Neve was employed by MI9, we'll speak about that later, awesome to know, <laughs> by MI9, I only thought there were six, you know. Um, he returns to the UK, he's employed by MI9 to help and advise other people, who other prisoners evade capture, other prisoners um, in Europe actually escape, and people who had escaped. He had a special code name, Saturday. But what I um, love about the what I love about the whole thing is is this picture of this captive becoming a liberator. That every one of us is called to be a liberator. And you know, you may be in a position today where you're feeling, I don't feel like I can liberate anyone. I need to be liberated myself. But no matter how deep and dark the prison, no, no matter how long you've been down in that place, Christ can free you. And we see in that passage there that the apostles are thrown into prison. And in Acts 5, 19 21, it says, But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison, and taking them out, he said, Go, stand and speak to the people in the temple. The whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. See, like the apostles are miraculously released from an actual prison, Jesus Christ can liberate us from the prisons in our lives. And we see in that verse, it doesn't matter how many guards are on the doors, it doesn't matter how many barriers there are, how many walls, and how, what the impossibility it seems to be released from the prisons in our lives. You, not because of you, but because of him, can be released. <clears throat> And I think, what a picture, you know. The Lord here, he liberates them from prison and doesn't say, now run, <laughs> does he? He's like, run for your lives! <laughs> uh, he liberates them from prison and he says, go. Go back to the exact place you were just put in prison from. Go back and proclaim the whole message of this life, the truth of the gospel that brings people into that total freedom. You see, they, they found a freedom that no kind of uh, earthly imprisonment could ever hold them back from or would ever hold them back from. I think it's this beautiful picture of the gospel that we are set free to go and become liberators. See, they were freed and called immediately to proclaim that same freedom to others. So I don't know if you guys have ever read this story before and looked at this passage like this. I don't know if you've ever looked at your lives like this. Not so much of like, I know I'm Christian, I know I kind of should share my faith. But actually, more than that, that you've been, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. If you're a believer today, you have the Holy Spirit in you and you are called to be liberators, to set people free. In Mark 16, 17 to 18, it says this. It says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. 
In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. This is part of the Great Commission. This is one of the Great Commission verses. We are liberated to be liberators. And we're called to respond like the, God, like the apostles respond. If you look right at the beginning, the first kind of section we read where it says Acts 5, 12 and 16, it says this, at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place amongst the people. People who, um, people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits were all being healed. The, these guys, they're living the Great Commission. They're stepping out and just doing what Jesus had said to do. Be a liberator to these people. People in bondage to sickness, heal them. People in bondage to demons, um, release them. And there are many different aspects that people in our lives, guys that you guys know that I really just don't know and may never come in contact with, you know the different things they're going through, but it's in Christ. You don't need to kind of give a kind of three points gospel sermon. You just set, set them free. Pray that Holy Spirit come and set them free from that place. <clears throat> the Great Commission is really the Great Co-Mission. Co means alongside or together, right? It, the Great Commission is really the Great Co-Mission. It's God and his church in company together, you and me, with God in cooperation together. It's Jesus Christ and his church fulfilling the mandate of liberation that's laid out in Isaiah 61, 1. To proclaim good news to the poor, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. You see that? Release, it's a very um, kind of, releasing is a real sort of imprisonment or anti-imprisonment kind of word, from darkness for the prisoners. What is it that we read in Colossians 1, 13? It says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And as we're born into that kingdom, we're also to be those liberators, calling people out of darkness into the kingdom. And it's not that we can do, we can do that, but it is Christ working through us. See, Jesus doesn't just call us to do, like, do his work. Like, I'm done, I'm sitting on the throne, I'm kicking back up here in heaven, um, and you just kind of get on with it, and I'll see you when you die. It's this thing of, I want to work with you. This acts here and everything until now is everything Jesus began to do and to teach. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you so that he would empower you and be on you, so that Christ himself would be with you as you step out and you do these things. Because as you step out, actually, he's stepping out with you. He goes before for you. So we are called to do his work with him. It's the same call to be liberators. That call to be liberators that Isaiah prophesied thousands or yeah, over thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, um, thousands of years ago, is the same call for us as liberators today. And the challenge is, will you be a liberator? Because it isn't easy and it can be scary and sometimes maybe it doesn't work exactly how we thought it was gonna work. But it's a call. 
we answer that call. Jesus, the ultimate liberator, he becomes a prisoner and he suffers and, and dies so that we can be liberated. So he's in prison so that we can be set free. He, he, su- he's, he suffers to bring healing. He overcame death so that we could have life. He won the ultimate victory so that we could live in that victory. And, you know, like the apostles, we're to bring and pronounce the liberty of that victorious life into the world and to demonstrate it. And I'm not saying you guys need to become like the apostles this afternoon. I'll wait till Monday for that. No, I'm not saying that you guys need to become like the apostles at all. You know, you've got your life, they've got their lives. The things that they do and the, the, the way their lives go, maybe, maybe different, because all of our lives are different, right? They've got theirs, their life, and we have ours. But be ready to pray for the sick. Be ready to cast out demons. It's the same Holy Spirit. Remember, I think a couple of weeks ago, Peter and John, they go up into the temple, they heal the guy, everyone's amazed, and they're like looking at them like, who are you guys? And they say, they say to, they say to, they say to the crowd, they say, why do you look at us as if by our own holiness or our own godliness, we have healed these men? There's nothing to do with who the apostles are that made it possible for them to heal those guys. It's only to do with how awesome God is and who God is and that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's why they can heal those guys. And it's the same promise given to you and to me. So be ready to pray for the sick. Be ready to cast out demons. You, you know, you can have a confidence in him. If you don't have confidence, just check yourself to see whether you're having confidence in yourself and whether you feel confident enough to pray for this person, you know, because your confidence should never be in you. Like when you go out to pray for someone, make sure your confidence is in him. And if there's a lack of confidence there, you can question yourself that. Like, okay, do I have confidence? Not, is my lack of confidence here? Because I don't actually think God's going to come through on this one. We aren't spectators. We are co-heirs with a commission. So be ready to share the gospel, those beautiful words of liberty for those who are imprisoned. For the lonely, there is a God who loves them, who's promised he'd never leave them or forsake them, who would be with them till the very end of the age. For the tormented, there is peace in Christ. For the dissatisfied, there is satisfaction in him. For the sick, there's healing. For the broken, there is complete and utter restoration. For the hopeless, there's hope. And for those who are far from God, who just don't know a way back into the light, but who are searching for it, what does Jesus say? He says, I am the door. I am the way. He is the way back to the Father. And so, guys, just before we pray, I I just want to encourage you, speak the true words of liberation into the lives of those around you. And you'll find you're speaking the gospel, that you're sharing Christ. Have confidence to pray. And always know that you guys are very unique and very special, that you've been liberated to be a liberator. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, 
I thank you for today and I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would come as we worship again. Come and fill this place afresh. Come and be with us. Lord, I pray that you challenge our hearts, God. Lord, that we would have an incredible confidence in you, Lord. That we wouldn't feel kind of worried or ashamed, God, but that we would just go out there, even if we kind of come across as a bit weird, Lord. But that we would always do it in genuine love and, uh, and not intentionally try to be weird. God, Lord, I pray that you would just fill each and every single one of us with your spirit, Lord. That we would have a new revelation of how liberated we have been. God, how awesome it is, the thing that you have done for us. In your great and awesome name. Amen.